What's up, everybody? Perry Aston here, co-founder of the Unwrap Sports Network, asking you to check us out on Sportscaster. The host of this podcast, as well as many other Unwrapped Sports Network members from across the entire country, are streaming live on Sportscaster. You can live chat with your host, even send them virtual gifts and tips to keep them churning out the best content that you love. So head on over to sportscaster.com slash unwrapped. That's sportscaster, S-P-O-R-T-S-C-A-S-T-R. Or download the Sportscaster iPhone app and tune into the entire Unwrapped Sports Network live on Sportscaster. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the NBA Unwrapped Podcast. Hope you guys have had a good past uh, nine days without basketball. Well, ten days now, actually. Um, but basketball is finally back. We've got games going on right now, the nine-game slate tonight. Uh, we're still waiting on Lakers, Grizzlies, and Trailblazers, Pelicans. You know, a couple more games here at the end. But, um, yeah, so today we, we're going to talk uh, who is – the biggest threat in the East to take down the Bucks, And then we got a bunch of questions that came in from you guys, the listeners, that we're going to answer at the end of the show. Um, some really good questions, so it's probably going to spark a few uh, conversations. But um, let's get right to it. Mark, I'll let you go first. I'll let you have the floor. Um, so we'll do this like a little bit like a, like a national debate type thing, you know, kind of like the Democrats have been doing. Yeah. Um, I'll let you go, and then I'll state my case, and then we'll, you know, see if we turn into Stephen A. Smith and Max Kellerman. <laughs> we'll see. So, um, my biggest threat. Um, people are gonna think I'm I'm biased about this. The listeners out there, people who follow me, obviously know I'm a Celtics fan, but I am gonna go with the Boston Celtics um, as the biggest threat to uh, the Bucks uh, to come out of the Eastern Conference. Um, this year, they've had two games against the Bucks so far. Um, both games they have played without um, Jalen Brown, so they haven't really played him at full strength yet. Um, the first game, they were they played him real tough. They were actually getting beat by a lot. They were getting beat by like 15 points, and they actually turned around and ended up being a double-digit win. Um, so they've shown that they can play against them. They can score with them. You know, the Bucks obviously a very high-scoring team. Um, I think what's going to really set them apart, though, is the way that they're able to play defense. Um, they have a lot of length on the perimeter, as as most people know, with Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward, Jason Tatum, um, to kind of counter their shooters. You know, we get Bledsoe and Middleton, and um, even their big guys that, that like to stay outside the three point line. We have you know guys like you know uh, Daniel Tice, um, who's not terrible on the perimeter. He's actually lately been showing that he's actually pretty good from outside, both offensively and de- defensively. Um, being able to uh, stretch the floor there. Um, and I think another big thing that a lot of people forget about too is that, um, and I know, you know, people are going to say, oh, the Bucks aren't the same as they were two years ago. And obviously, you know, I, I know that, but um, they did beat the Bucks in seven games a couple of years ago with virtually this team. Um, the guys have a lot of experience from that series. Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, you know, those were the main guys that year when they made a run to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, so I think that. Um, series and that experience will help them uh, a little bit as well going forward. And then plus you have guys like Kemba that would obviously take the spot of like a guy like Terry Rozier who was in that series. And, and I think overall the way that they're playing now is uh, I think they're probably the top team that can, that can pull it off. Um, how about you? What do you think? So obviously my pick is probably going to be seen as biased as well, but I truly believe it. I said it, I already said it before the season, even started that I believe this and the Raptors I think out of all the teams in the East are fully equipped to take down the Bucks. Um, we've only played them once so far this season. We were also pretty banged up. We were missing a, a whole bunch of guys at that time. Um, so it, I remember when the game happened, I really wasn't worried about it. But if you look at our team, first of all, we're third in the league in defensive net rating. And I know a lot of people thought that when we lost Kawhi, 
that that was going to go down. And everyone calls Kawhi the Giannis stopper because of what happened in that series last year in the Eastern Conference Finals. But that it had really nothing to do with Kawhi. Yes, having a great defensive player like that definitely helps. But the reason we stopped Giannis was because of the game plan that Nick Nurse uh, drew up. Basically, in Game 3, because, you know, we went down 2-0. In Game 3, he drew up a plan that basically just – it was like three guys, Marcus Siakam and Kawhi mainly um, – just closing in anytime Giannis went into the interior and forcing him to pass out and rely on those other shooters. And then basically just having our guys like Fred Van Vliet, Lowry, uh, be able to close out on those shooters and, and make them miss those shots. And it worked. And, you know, there's no doubt in my mind that we would be able to do that again. Uh, Giannis hasn't, I mean, he has improved from three this year, um, but nothing like no ginormous leap that's gonna you know turn him into some step back three-point shooter it's gonna make him lethal from out there we're still gonna tempt him to shoot that three-point shot just like we did last year um our defense is actually playing better than it did last year like I said it was it's third in the league right now last year I think we were fourth or fifth um and then on top of that you know we still have guys that can score and I've said on this podcast already a bunch of times that I think that the Raptors have probably the second or third most depth in the league. Um, and, and, and even I, I would even say our depth right now is better than the Clippers depth just because of the chemistry that we have. That team hasn't really been able to build their chemistry. The Raptors have some of the best chemistry. And then I think the Bucks are actually number one in terms of depth and chemistry. Um, I, I, I just feel like from top to bottom, we have what it takes to beat the Bucks again. We have what it takes to really match up against anybody in the East and make another run at the finals. Um, yeah, I mean, I truly believe that. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think what you're saying is true about the, the depth, but I, I don't think depth is as huge uh, as it is in the playoffs as in the regular season because you, you limit your rotations. You know, you go from, you know, a nine, ten-man rotation down to only a seven- or eight-man rotation – so you only need like really two or three key contributors off the bench unless somebody's injured or so, gets injured or something like that. And that's when the deeper, you know, depth comes into play. I do agree with you on the Toronto end about about being one of the deeper teams. Um, and I also agree with the um, chemistry thing about the Clippers. Not, you know, they obviously I think the Clippers have more talent, maybe like individual talent, but they haven't been together long enough to kind of pull that chemistry. So it's kind of interesting to see what they'll do. Um, yeah. Going back to the to the Celtics, you know, it's. Um, their biggest thing is 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 going to be stopping Giannis, of course. They don't have anybody like they had in the years past, where they had like an Al Horford type player who was able to kind of you know a bigger body that's able to stay in front of him and, and force their outside force the outside shot. Um, a lot of people say from that, if, if you remember any, if anybody remembers from that series where they beat them a couple years ago, that. Uh, Semi Ojale was the the Giannis stopper, quote unquote, <laughs> which obviously we know he's he's not. He's just a bigger body that can get in front of Giannis and make it tough. But Giannis is still probably going to get his 30 and you know 10 um, on him. So I, I think it's going to come down to um, being able to stop the other guys, you know, around them, the Bledsoe's, the Middleton's, not letting them get their 20 to 25 points a game. And I think the Celtics combat that very well. Um, like I said, with their size and their length on the perimeter. Um, and as far as scoring. Um, I think the guy, the Celtics have five guys that can get you, like I said, 20 to 30 points at any given night. Um, if you look at this, I think I tweeted out the most recent stat in their last 13 games. You had Tatum with 27, Brown with 22, Kemba with 21, Gordon Hill was at 19, and Marcus Smart sitting there with 15 points a game, and they're 11 and 2 in that time. So they have their offense is built around guys that can go off at any time. So even if they're not pulling, you know, having a great defensive thing they they have the ability to go bucket for bucket with a team like Milwaukee to um so if they can keep it close um in games and over the course of a seven game series maybe they could potentially wear him down and it'll definitely be tough but I, I think they can pull it out and I honestly believe that so here here's the thing for me that that stops me from going all all in on and believing in the Celtics right um so 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 far this season they have been a, a really good defensive team a lot better than people expected and everything 
that every argument that comes back with the Celtics is always comes back to those that center position. You know, who they have at center is not strong enough defensively. Now, Daniel Dice has stepped up this season in a big way. Um, Ennis Cantor has not been as bad as people thought he was going to be defensively. But my problem is when it when it gets to the playoffs and, and Giannis gets inside and, you know, you have – you have Daniel Dice and, and Ennis Cantor on him. That's not Serge Ibaka and Marcus Hall. You know that is a that's a lot easier for him to to feast on, in my opinion. Now the outside shooting, like you said, you know, let's look at matchups. You put Jason Tatum on Chris Middleton. Jason Tatum can clamp up Chris Middleton. I have faith in that. Um, Kemba Walker on Eric Bledsoe. That's not too bad. I mean, out of all the point guards for Kemba Walker to match up against, that would probably be his easiest one, one on one. But on the on the reverse side of that, I don't think people forget that Eric Bledsoe was an All NBA Defensive Team player last year. Um, he might make it a, a pretty rough series for Kemba Walker, you know, if they have to meet up against each other. Um, Jalen Brown, no problems there. Marcus Smart, no problems there. Gordon Hayward has held his own this year. Um, so I think I think there is some some good matchups uh, for for the Celtics against the Bucks, but then, you know, like I said, with the depth outside of that, so, so you said Semi Ojale, do you, you really trust him against, you know, some of the guys on the Bucks team uh, to carry defensive load? And then, and then really who, who do you have outside of that? Yeah. Brad Wanamaker. So you have Brad, you have Brad Wanamaker. Like I trust Semi Ojale, not against Giannis though. Right. So um, I trust him against, um, any uh, you know other one of their wings like a guy like uh, a a Vincenzo or, or something like that. Semi's mm-hmm. a a real strong like he's a he's a big dude. Like he's hard to move. He's he's hard to he stays in front of his guy. He's awesome at drawing charges. He's like a you know a Lowry and a smart. Um, he draws charges very easily. So defensively, um, against anybody other than than a Giannis, you know I I don't have him. I don't have a problem with him guarding anybody else because that's I think he's a really good defender. Um. His problem is on the offensive end. He takes those untimely shots, and he thinks he can shoot a three every once in a while, and it's just not even close. <laughs> so that's yeah. that's something that that could that could could kill the Celtics. Um, but then you have Brad Wanamaker. But then you're gonna have, like I said, I'm not saying the Celtics' depth is one of their strengths. You know, I think it's all gonna come down to their starting five, and Brad's only gonna run like a seven or eight man rotation. So right now you would have, you know, your starting five would be Tice Brown. Um, Hayward, Tatum, and Kemba, and off the bench you would have Ennis Cantor, you'd have um, Marcus Smart off the bench, and then you probably have like a Wanamaker or a um, Bob Williams if he comes back healthy. You know, we said mm-hmm. he's supposed to be back March first, which has he's shown a lot of earlier this season. He showed a lot of promise. He's he's like a kind of you know a younger DeAndre Jordan type player. He's a high flyer. He rebounds. He's lobs all the time, throwing lobs at the rim. Um, so if he can come back, uh, that could be a kind of, I would say, a, an X factor of of that kind of that center position that you were talking about. Yeah, I mean, like I said, but I don't think. But he's a huge think, question mark because you don't know what you're gonna get with him because he's on he's a second year play. He's really unproven, you know. Yeah, and I don't think it's a terrible matchup at all. The Celtics um, against the Bucks, and like you said, the the big strength for the Celtics is that there really is. Uh, I'd say five players on that team that at any night could go off for 20 plus points. Uh, Jalen Brown, Kemba Walker, Jason Tatum, um, Marcus Smart, and Gordon Hayward all have the capability to get hot and just go off any night. And that that is a very valuable thing to have in the playoffs. And that's something that I think the Raptors have. You know, Serge Ibaka could go off, Kyle Lowry could go off, Pascal Siakam could go off, Fred VanVleet could go off. Um, Am I missing someone? I feel like I'm missing somebody. Oh, Norman Powell. Could go Norman off. Powell, yeah. Yeah. So, who haven't seen a few games? That's probably why I'm. I'm forgetting. I was gonna say about he's him. still he's still hurt, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, he's been out like I think this is his 17th game right now. Jeez, this season. A, yeah. Yeah. Hopefully he's back soon. But um, and then Marcus Saul, you know, he 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 has those games, uh, especially like in the playoffs last year, um, you know, where you get like a. A 15-point night for Marcus Well, that's a really good night because you already know he's doing the things defensively. Um, but I kind of agree with you that it, outside of the Raptors, I think the Celtics, I would argue the Heat maybe would be a pretty good um, 
would be a pretty good matchup against the Bucks. But I think a Raptors, Celtics, and Heat, those would be my three teams. A lot of people say the 76ers. They're yeah. a great defensive team, but they are just such a mess offensively that I have, like, zero faith in them in the playoffs. Like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they get bounced first round, depending on who they play. But I think they're going to be, like, a fifth seed, and they're going to play, like, a fourth seed team like a Celtics, like um, uh, Indiana or something like that. And I would not be surprised if they lose that series. Yeah, right now, the way it stacks up, they would put the Heat. As I think the Heat are the four and they're the five. I think they would actually lose that series. Yeah. Um, you've seen this year they're a completely different team. Um, when they're playing on the road uh, versus the home. I think they had the best home record in the league. Um, either they they still do or they did. I think there was only like three losses maybe. Um, but their road record is atrocious. So if you put them in a series against a team like Miami, who's kind of had their way with them this year, um, I believe Miami's 2-1 yeah, against them this year. Awesome. And, and you give Miami home court advantage. Yeah, they're also really um, good at home. Yeah, exactly. Miami's got one of the best best home records as well. Um, I could see them losing in the first round, like you said. As far as them stacking up with Milwaukee, Milwaukee, you had them, you had that game. I think it was Christmas game where they, they yeah. absolutely killed them, and it was, of course, it was in Philly. Um, but that was an outlier. They shot exactly incredible from three that game, like incredible. So you, that's what I was gonna say. You can't really use that as like a measuring stick. Um, and that's not that's kind of like catching lightning in a bottle. That's not not something that they're gonna be able to do consistently for a four game stretch. Um, I, I do think that they would, I, I don't think it would be a sweep, you know, if they played Milwaukee, I do think Philly would get one or two games, you know, they could sneak in a home game, a home win, they, they would get three home games potentially. So I think they could win maybe one or two games, but you know, I, I don't see them competing against Milwaukee and, um, winning at series Miami. I just think, I mean, they do have Jimmy Butler who's got some experience and they got Iguodala, but Iguodala, I don't, like I said before, when they traded for him, I don't think he's going to mean much to them, to be honest with you. Um, Trey Young gave him 50 last night. Yeah, uh, um, <laughs> you know he's like, yeah. he's uh you know I don't think he's a kind of a shell of his former self. He hasn't played in a long time. He had such a, this long rest, this long layoff, and they're still a young team too. You know you still have Tyler Hero and Bam and Kendrick Nunn and Derek Jones Jr. and yeah. um, Duncan Robinson. Like these are all young players that don't really have much playoff experience. So I think in a series against Milwaukee that would go against them. Yeah, I don't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't trust Miami to win, and and that's something that I, that's another thing actually. I'm glad you brought that up. That out of all the teams in the East right now, the Raptors are the only team that actually have like champion championship experience now. Um, even you know uh, counter to the Bucks, it, it, or even to and even to the Celtics, to anybody, they they are a team that has the most players that have actually gone far in the playoffs. They went all the way in the playoffs just last year, so. I think that is something that definitely matters in the playoffs. They're going to have playoff experience, as you will. Um, and that's a huge reason why I, I like both of those teams. Like, like how, how we're saying both, you know, Raptors and Celtics is because of that experience. Like you said, they went, you know, the Raptors obviously won the championship last year and they beat Mil- Milwaukee on their way to that. So, um, yeah. and then the, and then the Celtics, you know, the year Four before that went too. to the Eastern Conference Finals. You know, they took LeBron James. Who was the greatest yep. player in that era, in that run in the East to Game Seven, and uh, you know Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown were the focal points of that team, you know. So yeah. and they were first and second year players, and they're getting all that experience. And obviously their playoff run last year that was kind of I don't even count because I think that was derailed by Kyrie to be honest with you. But um, yeah, you know, they, was, got, they got some games in, and that was just it wasn't it wasn't a good good playoff run last year. Yeah, I was gonna say that actually. Um, because I was talking to somebody about this before, about the Celtics, because um, they were saying they could see the Celtics being a first-round exit because um, Tatum, Jalen Brown, those guys are too young. And I was like, I think you guys forget that two years ago, as rookies, without Kyrie, they went all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals in a seven-game series against LeBron James-like Cavaliers. I mean, they they are a battle-tested te- team, and everyone keeps pointing back to last year for a bunch of things. They say, oh, well, look what the Celtics did against the Bucks last year. I agree with you. That doesn't mean shit to me. That series was like it literally – you remember the shooting stats for Kyrie Irving in that series? The dude mm-hmm. was just chucking the ball. He was so out of the zone. He already knew he was going to Brooklyn. Like I think we all know that by now. Right? Oh yeah, for sure. He already had his yeah. mind made up. So he was he was like he was like KD in that OKC series back against Golden State. 
in uh what was it 20 20 what was that 2016 yeah 2016 the three one series where they came back and beat him and then came yeah. went to golden state yeah you could just tell his mind was not there he he was already had his his sights set on his next team so i don't i don't care about what boston did last year uh this is obviously a whole new team you can tell by the way yeah. the team acts together on and off the court you know just the chemistry is just way better um and then a lot of people keep pointing back, well, look what the 76ers did to the Raptors. They went to seven games with Kawhi. Well, let's not forget how different the 76ers roster is this year compared to last year. They had Jimmy Butler, probably one of the yeah. one of the best, if not the best, two-way players in the league. Well, he's not the best, but one of the best. He's one of, yeah. And, JJ and that's what I was going to say. The X factor of that series that people seem to forget was J.J. Redick. That dude destroyed us from three-point land in that series. He kept them in games, and they do not have a player that can do that anymore that just lights up from three. Tobias Harris is not that guy. Uh, I can't even – oh, what's the other guy's name? Um, Richardson. He's not that guy. Oh, no, he's, he's not, not. going to be J.J. Redick that um, you know can just take over a game, give you 30, night, or 30 points on any given night, you know. J.J. Reg's kind of like a more efficient J.R. Smith. Like, once he sees, like, one shot go in, he's hot. He's going to keep making them. So they don't have that guy anymore. Their three-point shooting is obviously down. Their defense may be up, and that's a strength for them. But their offense is just way worse compared to last year. And I keep making the argument, and I still believe this, they don't have a closer. Jimmy Butler's a closure. You can give Jimmy Butler the ball and say, give me a shot to tie this game up with 15 seconds left, and he will do it. Who's the guy that will do that now? Corkmonts. <laughs> yeah, first they don't they they don't have anybody. And the best thing about that too, and and you know when they traded for Jimmy, that's what everybody said, like, oh, it's a good fit because they need a closer. And like the first two games after Jimmy got traded, there he hit game winning shots, mm-hmm. which was like which is crazy because that was like everybody's like, yep, that's exactly what we're talking about. But, you know, a lot of people get fooled because, you know, they say, like, uh, the series how that he, went he seven games. It, he even did to us. He didn't have a game-winning shot, but people forget he made a layup to tie that game with, like, I don't even – I think it was, like, seven seconds left or something like that, right before yeah. the Kawhi shot. Yeah, I mean, he's a, cl- he's a clutch player. He's a guy who can just give him the ball and he can go get you a bucket anytime you need one. But, like, in that series, how they took the Raptors to seven games, just because – you know, obviously they had those players that you mentioned, but just because they took the Raptors to seven games and potentially could have won that game seven, that doesn't necessarily mean that they they they'll beat Milwaukee. That's not how that's not how basketball works. It's all about matchups. Just because you beat yeah. one team and that team beat that team doesn't mean you'll beat that team. Yeah. You know, and a lot of people get fooled by that. You know, and and a lot of people going back to the you know the Celtics last year when they they asked me about it and I'm like you can't judge anything the Celtics did last year. Like you could just count like pretend that season didn't happen. Because yeah. chemistry is a huge deal, and you can see that, like you said, the way they, the camaraderie that they have this year. The first week of the regular season, Marcus Mark took the whole team to the movie theater. Like they're going out, they're doing things. Yeah, you together. can see it by Last the fact year, that they just had Jason Tatum as an All Star, or Kenba Walker as an All Star too, and then possibly, or should have had Jalen Brown as another All Star. Exactly, and you got guys like Kemba coming out and saying that he loves that Jason Tatum's the man on the team, that he's the guy and seeing him thrive and being so young. Kyrie would have never said that last year. No, you he would have been like, I of, have to, to lead these guys and show them what it's like to play in the playoffs. Was, yeah, exactly. And then and then you had like the playoffs last year, which was kind of like a weird thing for the Celtics, if you remember. They, so they sweep Indiana in the first round, which was, you know, they should, they had no Oladipo. Obviously, Indiana wasn't you know, that great, then definitely not as good to bonus. And those guys weren't as good as they are this year. And then mm-hmm. the first game against Milwaukee and Milwaukee, they beat Milwaukee. So they won five games in a row to start the playoffs last year. And so everybody was kind of like, oh, okay, Celtics are going to, they've won five in a row. They haven't lost. They're going to give them a little bit of a run. And it all spiraled downhill from there. That's when Kyrie started shooting terrible. And if you think about it, even in the sweep, Kyrie didn't have good shooting numbers either. Um, yeah. So it was kind of like, you know, people thought the Celtics were going to turn the corner, but there was just there was too far. For, you know, they were too far gone for them to even make a run at it. So let let's let's finish this up by talking about that Indiana Pacers team real quick, because the other team or the same year that you guys went to the Eastern Conference Finals with all your young guys, that Pacers team also took the LeBron Cavaliers to seven games and really should have won that series if it wasn't for a couple of LeBron James buzzer beaters. Um so, so, and that team is really not that much different. 
If if anything, they're better because it's basically the same team. Victor Oladipo is still coming back from that injury, so we'll see how that progresses. I wouldn't I wouldn't say he's at he's definitely not at the level that he was that year because that yeah. year he was pretty he was an all star should have been all star. Yeah. Um, but they add Malcolm Brogdon. They got Jeremy Lamb. Um, they did lose Bogdanovich. That hurts. Um, where do you think they would match up in in the just in the playoffs in general? Like you see him as a second round exit, first round exit. Um, I, I see him as a the way the season's going. I think they're going to finish in the sixth spot. Um, so I think that I puts them. I think that puts them up against Boston and Toronto. Whoever doesn't get the two seed, obviously, will get the three seed and play them. And I don't think they beat either of those teams. So I do think there'll be a first round exit. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, if we're both talking about Boston and Toronto being the top threats to um, Milwaukee, that there's no way that the Pacers, you know, in our minds anyways, that the Pacers are going to give them a series. Um, I think that could easily be for either team, whether they play Boston or Toronto. I think Boston and Toronto could beat them, you know, in five games. Um, I think that's yeah, the most. Yeah, I'd that, give that, them that, six, that, that six games ago. most. Yeah, at, at, at max. Um, so, yeah, I see them as a, a first-round exit for sure. Yeah, the, basically their best hope would be to um, obtain a higher seed, which at this point, first of all, they'd have to make a really good run, like basically not lose, and they have to hope that both of us start losing games because um, they're pretty far behind right now after that terrible streak they went on before the break. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree. I don't really see the Pacers as a threat, but I do think that they are like maybe – like one star player away. Um, yeah, the from, talent's there. You from, can definitely see it. Yeah, from being like uh, not maybe not a championship contained team, but like you know making a deep playoff run next year. Mm-hmm. I'm interested um, to see what they do with Miles Turner. To be honest with you, there's been yeah, a lot of I'm, talk after of him leaving. He was supposedly on the trading block back at the trade deadline. Um, I don't know. I think I think he's a pretty solid big man. A lot of people, especially like Patriots fans, seem to like bash him all the time and i just don't i don't see why he i i said this on twitter before the trade deadline i said uh not trading miles turner before at the trade deadline would be a mistake and i believe that because it's not it's nothing wrong with miles turner he's actually such a so he's actually really good that they could have gotten a lot back for him but he doesn't fit with their team. The way that Sabanis has stepped up to being that primary center, he just doesn't work. Uh, he can't yeah. work next to Sabonis. And when he's by himself with the bench squad, he's just not the same. He could have been traded to somebody that needs a center. Houston. The Celtics. Mastro would have been on the Celtics. I would have, yeah. Yeah, I would have took Turner easily. <laughs> and and they could have got back some very valuable assets. Um, you know, If they could have gotten like Marcus Smart out of him – I think that would have been great for 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 the Indiana Pacers. Then maybe a couple draft picks, and like I said, come back next year with this same team and and some new players, either in the draft or maybe a couple free agents. They got some free agents last year, so you can't say they don't draw free agents. Um, like I I think they they kind of missed the ball on that one, but you know they can still trade him in the off season. They they obviously wanted to hold on to him. They didn't like any offers they got. Uh, they're going to roll the dice on this season and see what happens. Um, but I, yeah, I agree with you. He's a good player and I just don't think he's a good fit for the Pacers. And that's, you know, sometimes that just happens. Like, you know, we've been talking about the Sixers. They have two great players that don't fit well next to each other. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. He would have definitely, like you said, been good on a team that could use a center and make a playoff on like the Celtics or Houston. Yeah. Um, and some, like you said, the Sabonis, the way he operates in the paint, it's just I think they're gonna have to look somewhere else in the off season um, to see if they can get something you know valuable back for him. And they should, because he's a young player and he's he's actually he's really good. Um, he's the type of guy who could do he could be you know his full potential could be a 20 and 10 guy. So um, yeah, good rim protector too. Exactly. So it's a, it'll be interesting to see what they do in the off season. Yep. So let's get into uh, our questions that we. Uh, Got sent into us, into our bag, so to speak. Yeah. Um, so our first question comes from my friend uh, Ron Daly, 55. He says, who wins in the West uh, between the sixth and eighth seeds? Uh, so the sixth, uh, so the sixth, seventh, and eighth seeds 
I think currently our six is Oklahoma City, seven is Dallas, and the eighth is the Memphis Grizzlies right now. Um, I think the sixth and seventh seed is going to um, stay the same. I think it'll flip-flop between you know Dallas and Oklahoma City. I think Dallas will eventually end up getting this, the higher seed, the sixth seed. Um, Luke is back now. He's healthy. Um, I just think they are the, the better team at this point. Um, Oklahoma City will, in my opinion, get that seventh seed. Um, as far as for the eighth seed, I think it's where you're going to get the biggest competition. Um, right now, I think it's going to be between um, Memphis, who has a three-game lead right now on the Trailblazers, um, and then a four-game lead on the Pelicans and the Spurs. Um, I think ultimately, uh, I'm just kind of ruling the Spurs out now. I just don't like what they've been doing. Um, Trailblazers are, are could be you know a sneaky pick to get in there. They have Dame Lillard and McCollum and. Um, you know, they're playoff tested teams. So down the stretch here, they know what it takes to kind of win games and make a run at the playoffs. Um, and then New Orleans, you know, obviously they're super talented and Zion's back. He's having a hell of a start to his, uh, even though it's a late start, he's having a hell of a start to his rookie year. And we know what Brandon Ingram's done with being a first time all-star. Uh, but the only thing that might get in their way is their youth. Um, you know, I don't know if they'll, they'll kind of realize what it takes to kind of go on a run here to try to make that playoff push. Uh, but at the end of the day, I do think Memphis solidifies that eighth spot. They are playing the best right now. They've been playing the best, you know, out of all the, all the teams all season. Um, and I think they continue to do that and pull the eighth spot in the West. Um, so right right now, just just uh, to correct, you had you had Dallas Dallas is sixth right now and Thunder is seventh. Um, so are they, you know, are, they a, are they are they tied through, same record though, right? No, uh, Dallas because of their win today, they got a oh. game up on them right now. Um, oh, okay, I look, yeah, I looked at it before they played tonight. That's why. Yeah, but I mean, gotcha. the Thunder also are playing right now, so they could be tied by the right. end of the night. Okay. But um, yeah. So, but anyway, I actually think Memphis is gonna fall out, um, because they have a fucking hard schedule the rest the rest of the way here. Um, they've been kind of fortunate to have a pretty easy schedule you know, prior to the, to the break and all that, but they got a hard, they got a rough schedule coming up. They face the Lakers tonight. Um, they're facing the Rockets this week. Then they face the Lakers again next week, face the Clippers next, next week too. They got a hard schedule coming up. So I think they're going to fall out. And I actually think that the Pelicans now with Zion, because they've been winning games against good teams too. I think they're going to make a run. I think they're going to sneak into that eight seed. Um, I actually think the Mavericks are going to move up. I think they're going to finish around a fifth seed, and I think that the Jazz will fall to sixth. Jazz are Rockets. Um, and then who's that other team in there? Uh, the Thunder. The Thunder are going to – yeah, they're going to stick in there at the seventh seed. And, yeah, I think the, the Grizzlies are going to fall out, and the Pelicans are going to make a hard push. Yeah. Do you think the Trailblazers will ba- uh, fall down as well? They're the closest team to the, the- – Grizzlies yeah, right now. yeah, they 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 are even lucky they're this close because Damian Lillard went on that insane hot streak. Yeah, and you know I don't as much as I love Damian Lillard, I don't think he's gonna do that every single night. Um, and he just got hurt now too, so because he got that groin injury, I don't even think he's playing tonight. So I think yeah, I think the the Blazers are gonna fall down. The Spurs, like you said, I think they're already dead. And I think the Pelicans are gonna make a really strong push here. Yeah, it's definitely it's it's interesting. I think that that, that what it could come come down to is is uh, Memphis and and the uh, either Memphis Blazers and you know I didn't realize you brought up a good point. The Damian Lillard injury completely forgot he didn't even play in the All Star game obviously, and that he's certain mm-hmm. he's missing games. So obviously if he doesn't come back, depending on when he comes back, that puts a huge dent in what Portland's able to do. Um, so that could put them, you know, kind of knock them out pretty early of this run. Um, and if if Zion can, you know, stay healthy the rest of the season and keep putting up those numbers, I mean, I can for sure see them making a run at it. Um, I just love what Memphis is doing. You know, I know they got a tough schedule. Um, but with those, those young guys, like I said, they're, they're playing so hard. And, and with all this stuff with Iguodala going on, I think they're really out to prove a point this year. And and I think John Morant, you know, for me, he's he's my rookie of the year. He's no Zion's backing. He's putting up some crazy numbers. Uh, the way John's been able to lead that team. And, yeah. um, We're going to get your, to that, by the way. With, with your boy Valanchunas, ex-Raptor. Yeah. Um, he's holding down the fort in the middle there. And you got guys like Brandon Clark and, you know, Jaron Jackson Jr., um, those guys are, you know, having a hell of a season. Dylan Brooks, I even mentioned him. He's having a, 
you know, uh, most improved player type season. Um, so I, I think they're going to continue that. And, and then with the, having already having a three game lead, that's going to take a, a pretty significant losing streak. And, um, you know, I don't think they've lost three games all season in a row. So, um, to have that start now, it, you know, I think they'll be able to, to ride the, well, you know, way, get through it and weather the storm there. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely think they're going to be fighting for it, obviously. Um, I mean, to what you just said, they could literally start that losing streak this week. Like I said, they literally play the Lakers, Clippers, and, and Rockets for their next games. So that could be three losses they, right there. They, they could. <laughs> Let's not forget they lost last night to the Kings, too. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> so we'll see. So while we're on the subject, though, this, this next question comes in from Michael. Um, that's MD Lawson 0 on Twitter. He said, how in the world can they really be saying Zion could win Rookie of the Year when he's only played 10 games. Um, so I'll, I'll start because I already know how to answer that. I think it's pretty simple. Uh, he's played 10 games. He's already averaging 20 points. I mean, common sense kind of just tells you if he sustains this, I mean, you, how could you not put him up there in the rookie of the year conversation? Yeah, I think that's a, the perfect answer for it. You know, it's pretty easy to me. You, you put a guy in that conversation after only 10 games because of the numbers that he's putting up. Um, and if he continues to put up these numbers, he'll be right up there in that conversation. You know, nobody's saying he's obviously a lock to, to win it. I still think Ja would potentially win it because he's done it. You know, if he continues at his pace as well, he's obviously done it for a full season. Um, so, so I, I would, me personally would give it to Ja over, over Zion, but it's not, uh, you know, it's not crazy to think of him being in the conversation after what he's been able to do, even though it's been such a short period of time. Yeah, especially if he keeps playing, you know, say plays every game now for the rest of the season, which, which seems to be the idea, um, and he keeps up these same numbers because he's shooting very well as well, um, you know, obviously it's going to be a conversation. And, you know, this whole playoff thing that we're talking about, getting that eight seed, that could be a big a big um, deciding factor on who wins Rookie of the Year because, you know, both of these teams are being led by rookies now. Say the Pelicans make it and the Grizzlies don't. I think that would weigh in on, or vice versa, if the Grizzlies make it and the Pelicans don't, that would weigh heavily on the vote for Rookie of the Year. You know, your first season, you lead both of these teams who didn't make the playoffs last year to the playoffs. I mean, that'd be a huge bump into your your narrative, you know? Yeah, I agree with that as well. I think, too, it's going to be interesting to see what the Pelicans do, too. Do they do something where, you know, down the stretch here, do they do any type of, obviously with Zion's injury history, do they do any type of, like, load management, even though they're fighting for a playoff spot? You know, because if he misses some games, I think that could play into it. Um, but I think if being so close to a playoff spot, I mean, you have to go all out to try to try to get into the playoffs. So I'm kind of interested to see what the Pelicans do down the stretch, too, considering his, you know, his health and everything. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I think they're going to keep playing him. I mean, they, they've been boosting up his minutes ever since he came back. So Yeah, I think, um, so. I think they should. I think that's the right thing to do in my mind. Yeah. Um. <laughs> This question comes from Corey Easley, Easley, C-Money52. He says, what buyout player could be the most impactful? Um, Who who got bought out? So, Reggie Jackson, Marvin Williams, um, Markeith Morris. Does does he mean mean what buyout player has got signed already or what potential buyout player could be impactful? I'm going to go, I'm going to assume it's the ones that have already been, been, been signed and everything been like that. signed and on a team. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody else is up in the air, you know, that's true. Um, so I if really, those are like the big ones, right? Marquis, uh, Marquis, uh, Marquis, Reggie Jackson, Marvin Williams, Marvin Williams. Those are the three. Yeah, those are the three biggest ones. I think, um, I would say out of all those, um, honestly, Marquis Morris to me, because if you already look at, you know, what came out today when the Lakers signed him, uh, they're already changing their rotation now, and Kyle Kuzma is going to play at the three instead of the four, which is good. That's a good thing. Kyle Kuzma works a lot better um, as a wing, um, not having to guard power forwards and being able to guard small forwards. He's already not a good defender, so you don't want to put him on somebody that's bigger than him. Um, even if it's a stretch four, which you know he tends to be, I think he he would work better uh, offensively as a small forward, as a wing. Um, so it really shakes up, you know, the whole dynamic of the Lakers team now because now they 
now they get to have Markeith Morris come in off the bench and provide more depth. You know, he can shoot. He he can create his own shot a little bit, and he's a really good defender, and that's the most important part. The Lakers are literally the number one team in defensive net rating this year. They only just boosted up their defense with this. And then even to close out games if they want, they could have Markeith Morris out there. You know, if they want to go with a small ball lineup, Anthony Davis, LeBron, Markeith Morris, Kuzma, and um, uh, Danny Green, you know, that that's a pretty good small ball lineup. So I think um, I think he's the most impactful to me uh, as far as you know really boosting a team's depth and their playoff odds. Yeah, I think he's gonna have. Um, I actually agree with Markeith as well because I think he's gonna have the um, the best chance to prove how impactful he can be um, mm-hmm. because he's because the Lakers, like you said, that their depth was in my opinion was a huge concern. I don't think they were that deep as a team, and this adds to that. He's going to get a ton of minutes there to prove it. Um, you have Marvin Williams and um, Reggie Jackson. They both went to already deep teams, you know, so minutes-wise, I mean, how, who knows how many minutes Reggie Jackson is going to get with the Clippers at the guard yeah, position. That's what, are we even going to see him play? Like That's what I'm saying. So, like, you obviously already have Shamet. You have Patrick Beverly. You have Williams. Lou Williams. Like, you have all these guys. Like, where does he come into play? Yeah, especially like we talked about earlier with rotations kind of slimming down, getting close to the playoffs to like a seven, eight man rotation. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with Marvin Williams in, in Milwaukee. Um, that's that was already a deep team, so you're adding to a deep team. So when does he see the floor? And you know, unless somebody gets hurt or something like that, when does he see the floor and actually get enough minutes to actually make an impact? Yeah. Um, so I think Markeith will definitely have uh, the best chance to make an impact. Um, and I think he fits that team very well and adds to their depth. And, I mean, who knows? He could be a key to the Lakers' championship run. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and, I mean, really, oh, the only thing the Lakers are missing at this point is another backup point guard. Uh, Reggie Jackson would have been huge for them. But, you know, Rajon Rondo is getting a lot of minutes there. That Avery Bradley's even getting some minutes at the point guard position, and he's not really a true point guard. Yeah, they they gotta. I don't know who's left for potential buyouts, but they gotta do something. I don't know who's a free agent. I know they've been working out J.R. Smith, uh, but I don't know. They that's the only that's the only thing they have to figure out. Maybe play Quinn Cook, play Caruso more. I don't know. Um, but all I know is Rondo is not the answer. Our next, <laughs> no, no. Our, ne- our next question comes in from uh, Part Timer Podcast at Part Timer Pod. Uh, he says there are supposedly big changes coming to the Bulls front office after this season. Do you think their current roster roster is capable of contending with the right management or do they need to make changes on the floor with the exception of Zach Levine and Laurie Markkinen? Um, so I, I've heard this as well, that they're going to ship like everybody out, like GM, um, coach, obviously, um, who, who, who's, what are those guys' names? Fran? Which, uh, the guys in the, the guys front. in the Bulls front office, it's like Gar, is that Gar yeah, yeah, Gar Hurt or something like that, or yeah, um, uh, they're two dopes, they're idiots. Um, so the like, change is good. Is the Bulls roster capable of contending with the right management? I don't think so. Um, yeah. I kind of, I, I kind of la- laughed at this question to be honest with you. I saw it earlier and I was like. New management and new coaching isn't going to change how bad this roster actually is. Yeah, they you know what to, I mean. They need to do a whole a whole swap. Um, and I like Zach Levine too, but I don't think he can be the guy on a team. I don't think he's a number one option guy. Um, you know, he's kind of benefited from being on a bad team where he's got to put up good stats that almost made him an All Star. Still didn't make him an All Star. Um. And I don't, I just don't think he's answered. Laurie Markkinen is having a terrible season, so I, I would actually move Markkinen. I know this guy says with the exception of Laurie Markkinen, I would move Markkinen and see what you can get out of him. Um, the Bulls need to find somebody in the draft if they could trade up higher. You know that would be good for them. Uh, and even Kobe White, I mean, I don't really see much in Kobe White for the future. Obviously, it's just one season. He's coming off the bench, but um, I, I don't know. I don't like the Bulls roster at all. I'm going to be completely honest with you. They need a lot more changes. Uh, they need a lot more changes than just the management and, and the coach. Wendell Carter Jr. is okay. Good defender. Um, can't shoot worth a shit. 
They I think you're going to do like, I think they're going to do their best to try to free up as much cap space as possible. Um, because I do think they need to make a run at Anthony Davis when he becomes available. I think Anthony Davis is the type of person that, that if he gets a championship, if he gets a championship, because he's from Chicago and he's been said, you know, obviously, you know, he's not going to say no, he's not going there. But when he's asked multiple times in interviews, he's like, oh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see, you know. So if they can make a run at Anthony Davis and Anthony Davis has already gotten his championship, he's already done that championship thing. It might be a situation that might be enticing for him to go play for his hometown team. Um, obviously, we've seen guys do that before with LeBron and Cleveland and things like that. I feel like he's going to do it later, like a D Wade. I don't. I can't see yeah. him leaving that situation in L.A. right now. They oh, could yeah, literally like doing it, doing create a dynasty. Like, they could, yeah. And he could be the next Kobe. He could be the next guy for the Lakers. You know, the the, yeah. the Lakers, the prime franchise in the NBA. Well, he could be the next be Michael the Jordan. Who knows, right? Well, yeah, but but what I'm saying is like, <laughs> you know, the Lakers have always been a, a team that has known nothing but success and excellence. If you play for L.A., like that's a big deal, right? And if you're the guy, because you know LeBron is is leaving soon. If yep. AD's the guy to carry that next generation of Lakers, I mean, there's nothing better for your legacy than that. I don't know why you would throw that away to go play with a team that's in shambles right now. Yeah, you got to think about it too. If LeBron leaves the Lakers and it's AG, it's like AD with the good the rest of that team. Like that team to me isn't that very is not very good. I mean, they'll yeah. be better than the, they're better than the Bulls. Don't well, get we're me still, wrong. Well, we're but still talking that good. We're still talking about a couple years down the road that LeBron's gonna leave. So I mean, they're gonna they're gonna have their chances to shape up the roster here uh, in the next few years, um, and hopefully make it better for him in the future, which the Bulls could do too. So you you know they could make a a really good pitch in free agency. I I don't see it happening. Yes, they should do it though, 100%. You know, because that's what the Bulls need right now. They're they're the Bulls are they're kind of like the Knicks. You know, they are in a city that that has a, a great history that people would like to play for, but they just have all these problems in management and everything. And, you know, with th- such a bad roster that people aren't going there right now, just like the Knicks, you know, people want to play at the garden, but James Dolan and the roster sucks and all these yep. problems. Yep. The bulls need to make, they need to make it a place where people would like to go again, you know, do what the Nets did. Build a culture of young guys and show, hey, look, we kind of got something over here. We're fighting a little bit for seventh seed, eighth seed. And then, you know, you might get a a big name free agent that, like Anthony Davis, oh, wait, I'm from Chicago. Maybe I could lead these young guys and and bring the Bulls back to prominence. You know, that's kind of what they need right now. Yeah. Or or another Derrick Rose. (laughs) That's true. Going back to his question, though, like, do they contend? They don't contend for. You know, with new management, they don't contend for a championship, obviously. Um, but with better coaching, um, they could potentially. Be, I mean, I don't see why they couldn't fight for an eighth spot. Yeah. And, uh, you know, with a better coach and like the coach right now, that the team doesn't buy into what he's doing. They don't trust him. They don't agree with anything that he says. You can see it. You know, there's even the media who I've seen. I don't know if you've seen some of the interviews for them, but the media asks him some questions. The guy's got like no answers for it. Like he just sounds like a complete douche when he's talking you know what i mean <laughs> like yeah. um so i think if you get a better coach in there and like you said a better uh you know better management and things like that as currently constructed i don't see why they can't i mean fight for an eight spot levine's putting up 25 points a game yeah. um kobe white has shown some games this year he's, he's had some promising games so you know another year under his belt um you know obviously he'll get better and marketing last year we saw what he's capable of doing he's, he's definitely a talented player so you got three guys right there if you can get some free agents this year, I mean, maybe you can make a run out of playoff spot. But, you know, as far as championship, um, that's, you know, a long ways away for them. Yeah. Um, next question. This is a good one. This comes from Hoop Dini, Precise NBA. Uh, he says, does Giannis leave if the Bucks don't win a chip this year? And I've already answered this before. Yes, he's going to Toronto. I'm not kidding. <laughs> that's, you know, that's so biased. His Messiah's report, boy, right? The report came out that that uh we're the front runners if if he leaves. Yeah, I don't think he's leaving. I, I don't think he's the type of superstar that wants to go, uh, wants to leave something that he's helped build. You know, I think he wants to win a championship where he's kind of started, and he's not one of those guys. He's kind of like a Dame Blue. He's not a guy that's kind of team up with another superstar and 
he wants to beat all these guys. He's got like, like I said before, I think I tweeted this all the time. He's got like that fuck you mentality, like kind of that Russell Westbrook. You know, he wants to beat you. He wants to beat you, and when he's down, when you're down, he wants to step on your throat and just just take it to you. Is he like that though? Because you know, he just said last week he'd be like, "Oh yeah, it'd be cool for me, LeBron and AD to play together. Nobody would stop us." Like he's already got the wheels turning. He's already thinking about it, and you know. That that loss last year that we gave them, I know that hurt. You know, you saw the post game reaction and everything. That's been on the back of his mind. If if something like that happens again this year, I I think it, I truly think it would be enough to send him over the edge to send him over the edge to leave the Bucks. Um, you know, it's a small market, so you know, that's already something that's working against them. Yeah. And then he's gonna look at Toronto, who has the cap space because we've all we've already been building this to 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 make a push for this I, I promise you Masai's already been thinking about it <laughs> he's he's friends with Masai he's friends with Pascal Siakam him and Kyle Lowry just killed it in the all-star game together I mean I and Toronto is just a has actually become a place you know after winning that championship that they showed like hey look we got fans all over the world this is actually a bigger market than the NBA TV likes to make it look it out to be I th- I really think he he's coming to Toronto. If they he, lose, if they he, win, he's gonna stay. Yeah, and you won't have to uh, wait long to find out too. So I think uh, this summer he's obviously not, he's not a free agent until 2021. But this summer he's eligible to sign a supermax deal. If mm-hmm. he doesn't sign that supermax, I think it's it's even it's, it's he's, he's he might be out the door if he doesn't sign the supermax. Because why would you leave that on the table? You know yeah. why would you leave all that extra money on the table? Yeah. Um, you know, so if you don't, if he doesn't sign the supermax, then I think you and and the fans up in Toronto can get pretty happy. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, question from Perry Aston, uh, the leader of Unwrapped Sports Network. Boss man. <laughs> Boss man. He <laughs> says, "How much does Morris help the Lakers?" We kind of already answered that part, so we'll get to the second part of his question. Yeah. Um, he said, "Are you more impressed with the Clippers' depth going into the second half of the season?" Or I guess against the Lakers, she's saying. Um, and I, mean, I, I gotta say, I am more impressed with the Clippers' depth. Yeah. Um, they obviously added Marcus Morris at the deadline, the better of the Morris brothers. Um, and then they added Reggie Jackson, like we said, who is really not that bad. I know a lot of people think he stinks, but you know, coming off the bench, that's a pretty, pretty good. Uh, bench point guard to have on top of the guys we already ne- mentioned like Lou Williams and Larry yeah. Shamet. A healthy um, Reggie Jackson's a scary player, man. Like when he was healthy in Detroit, and I mean, the guy can put up some numbers. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I, I yeah, I mean the Lakers they did well with this Markeith Morris signing, but like we said, they're still missing at that point guard position. I I feel like I feel like that's their weakest spot. Um. You know, once LeBron sits, it kind of goes into disarray. And, yeah, I mean, the Clippers really don't have that problem. Their problem is building that chemistry, which they're going to do. It's going to come. Um, they just definitely have a way more talented depth at and on their roster going forward. Yeah, I think the whole thing, uh, I think we've talked about this before, too, is going to be the Clippers, just how they do chemistry-wise. Um, I think they're deeper. Um, they have better talent. Um, but their talent is their their players are good when they're getting a high volume of shots, like a Lou Williams and a Marcus Morris and, and a Reggie Jackson, and then you just have your regular starters like a Kawhi and a Paul George and Shamet. Like those guys all command the basketball. Um, they're all gonna want to get their shots off. So it's gonna be you know who's gonna be the guy that can say you know I'll take a step back or I'll just do the dirty work. I'll get the rebounds. I'll hit the glass. You know I won't be looking for my shot as much. You know you're hot tonight. Let's get you the ball. You know it's going to be kind of like you said those chemistry issues and if they can build a chemistry it's definitely a dangerous uh you know d- d- dangerous bench there for them. Yeah, for sure. Um so our last question comes from Jordan Child, one of my best friends. And he says this is a really good question. I know why he's asking it too. He said, who's the top three in the MVP race? Um, today, they put out a tweet of the MVP ladder, like the NBA's official MVP ladder. And I said, I don't get why LeBron is higher than Anthony Davis. So I got, I actually got, I kind of got to think about this. So I'll let you go first. Top three in the MVP ladder. Um, I'd have to say 
Uh, Giannis, number one. Um, what Milwaukee Milwaukee's been doing, obviously, is you know, he's a huge part of it. Milwaukee this year hasn't lost more than two games in any month this year. That's a it's an unbelievable stat. That's crazy. And the numbers that he's putting up are similar uh, to his MVP uh, season last year. Uh, he's a little bit better, um, I think, in in rebounds and points per game, but not by much. It's like a tenth of a point or like one point. Um, and um, like I said, the way he's where he's got that team best record in the NBA. Um, second, um, I'd have to say it would be uh, I think Anthony Davis. Um, the Lakers' um, second best record uh, in the league, I believe, right now. Um, and Anthony Davis is a huge part of that. LeBron's having a good season, but he's kind of given the reins to that team to Anthony Davis. So you're on my uh, side. I am on your side. I do think Anthony Davis – but you think about it, that team, you know, was needed Anthony Davis to be what they are, you know, this year. Um, and I think he's – right at this point in his career, I think he's the, the better player right now too. Um Third, I'd have to go with – he hasn't been playing well lately, but you know, third, I would have to go with James Harden. Um, just the season that he's having, oh, stats. Like and, no, I, I know like you don't, you're not a Harden guy. You're not a Harden guy. Um, I hate Harden. I know you hate him a lot. But you can't deny the numbers that he puts up and what he's doing. And MVP, when voters look at MVP, that's shooting exactly – Shooting terrible. But they, do they do they look at that or do they look at it as just points per game? You know what I mean? Yeah. At, the, at the end of the day, they're going to be like, oh, he averaged 35 a game. Like, but he shot, you know, 30% from the field. Like, you know, nobody's going to, they're not going to care about that number, you know? So I, so I agree with you. So is that a, is that, is that a, that would be my top three. Yeah. Okay. So I agree with your first two. Obviously I, I think Giannis is going to win it. I don't think anybody's close to him at this point. Um, I agree on Anthony Davis thing. Cause that's why I said it. Anthony Davis, first of all, he's averaging more points per game than LeBron. Um, he's one of the leading leaders in the league in blocks. And, you know, people have already been saying that he could be up for defensive player of the year. And he's a big reason why that defense of the Lakers took a huge leap this year. And you remember at the beginning of the season, he even challenged LeBron to be a bigger defensive or a better defensive player this year. You know, stop slacking on defense. And what's the Lakers number one strength right now? It's not offense. It's defense. That's what made them this this great team that they are this year. And obviously it helped getting guys like Danny Green and Avery Bradley to build off that. But Anthony Davis is a huge part of that. And like you said, I think Anthony Davis is the most important player on the Lakers. When he's in there, even without LeBron, he's carrying the offense. You know, he's he's the one making the big plays, making the clutch plays. Like Anthony Davis is the best player on the Lakers to me and to you, obviously, and I think to a lot of people. I don't – I understand LeBron's averaging damn near a triple-double. You know, point point God LeBron is in full effect, and he is one of the, the leaders in assists. He actually might be leading number one in assists, um, which is great. You know, offense runs good when LeBron gets to run the offense, but the guy that he's finding, the guy who's making the shots is Anthony Davis. He's averaging like 26 points per game. Um And Anthony Davis is having one of his best shooting careers – uh, from the field or shooting seasons from the field. I, I just think he's the more important player for the Lakers. So I don't get why LeBron is so higher than him. And even, even if, you know, LeBron is higher than him. Why is Anthony Davis like number eight in the ladder? And then LeBron is two. That doesn't make sense to me. Um, and then my number three would be Luca because he's also averaging a triple double leading the Mavs to the playoffs. Like we said, um, you saw what happened when he was out. You know, they actually won a few games without him, but they also lost a bunch too. Um, he's just very important to that team. He's doing, he's averaging damn near triple double in his second season. Um, he's just incredible. Yeah, I like that. I actually like the Luca pick um, too. Um, that's I can't. I mean, I can't. I can't look at that. What he's done in Dallas, like you said, nearly averaging a triple double. That's that's a solid third pick as well. Yeah. Um, so, Jordan, me and Mark agree. So you're going to have to come at us, bro. Let us know why LeBron, I know you love him so much, but how he deserves MPP over Anthony Davis because it doesn't make any sense to me. Tell him to let us know. I'm sure he'll shoot us a tweet or something. Oh, we got sure. we, we, we to figure this one out. I'm sure he'll be chirping. <laughs> All right. So, uh, I mean, that was fun to do. I, I feel like we should do questions you know, more often. Maybe we'll do it like uh, – Maybe a monthly segment or something like that. 
Yeah, I like um, that. The more interaction, I mean, the more we can get, you know, uh, you, you guys out there, you listeners out there, the more we can get you guys involved with the show, you know, yeah. the better. You know, instead of us just talking about what we want to talk about, let's talk about what, what you guys want to talk about. Yeah, and hopefully people actually listen to have to have their uh, questions answered. That would be nice. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> um, all right, so, Mark, I'll see you later um, and talk to you guys next week. Ready. Thanks, guys.